CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is transforming the legal industry via IT. And our guests for today's show are Michael Shannon, who is the Chief Information Officer with Deshert LLP. Morning, Michael. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am just doing fantastic. 79 degrees in, in almost November in Chicago. You cannot beat that, right? And no, we can't. We're in the 60s, and it's overcast in Philadelphia. All right. And then I have uh, Michael Beguire, who's the Chief Information Security Officer with Littler Mendelssohn. And Mr. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And you can tease us because you're in San Francisco temporarily. <laughs> temporarily yes. for the week. Right. So so while we talk about weather and we are in our respective places, wherever we are, and that changes and so does change the economy, so does change the industry around us. So we are here to talk about the legal industry, which is, of course, got its own challenges, how it goes about handling the economic pressures and the customer demands, etc. Now, all along, there's always been pressure for legal industry to become more efficient, productive, and also be competitive in the global market. So first question is for Mike McGuire. Uh, what do you see as the top trends for IT within the legal industry? Or for that matter, let's take it at a level of abstraction above that. What is the top? What are the top trends in the legal industry overall where IT can help, where we are being pushed to become more productive and more efficient and be competitive? Well, you know, I should add before I give my answer that before I came to Littler four years ago, I spent eight years in-house. So um, from, the, from the client side perspective, I know one of the things I was always looking for was really great advice, really fast, uh, as efficiently and cost effectively as possible, and so I think you know that has has always been something that clients have asked for from their lawyers, but in the economy that we 're in today with the price pressures that that our clients are seeing, especially our, our internal clients, uh, you know the legal counsel general counsels of the companies that we represent, keeping those costs down and finding a way to give them uh, predictable costs for the services we 're providing seem to be very very and ever more important. And so for, for us, finding ways to be as efficient as possible, uh, make sure that we're available uh, wherever we happen to be. We've got 50, I, I, it's been a while since I've checked, but I think like 56, 57 offices around the country and uh, in a couple of other countries. And so our, our law firm um, is very mobile. And so finding a way for IT to support those lawyers wherever they are as mobile as they are, is uh, one of the biggest challenges for our IT group. Now, when it comes to, this is a question for uh, Michael McGuire. Uh, do you think these trends are truly something any different than what you saw a couple of years or a decade ago, or this is same old, same old, same old? You know, when I started as a lawyer 20-some-odd years ago, I remember reading articles about the end of uh, the billable hour and flat fees and alternative fees were coming, and that's been kind of a constant drone in the legal press, um, but it never really happened. Um, 
now it's finally starting, I think, to take hold more than it ever has before. So while this is kind of the same refrain that we've heard for a number of years, it, it seems to be sticking more now and uh, more definitely responding uh, to it. Now, this is for Mike McGuire. What really is that shockingly different for you to lose your sleep over it? I mean, of course, if yes, there was people were raising alarms that this change is going to come and finally it has arrived. Really, has it disrupted uh, the core working of the organization or it has taken a it has had a deep impact on what they saw the money coming in or the bottom line and or the growth? You know, I don't think, you know, there's nothing about, you know, these new demands from clients that I think is probably keeping um, us up at night. And I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of wear a couple different hats. One, I'm a shareholder in the firm um, and a lawyer. And secondly, I'm the guy responsible for security. So, um, but I'm also very close to the IT organization at the firm. And I don't think these kinds of changes are necessarily keeping anybody up at night. It's um, more of a constant pressure to innovate, be more efficient, and deliver more for the same dollar to the lawyers at the firm. Now, um, so you're saying that we are not having that much of a difference. So do you think whatever changes you had to bring about in your organization to keep it humming, they're all done and you can chill? No. <laughs> okay. Constant, constant, constant. Sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, and, and see, the, the reason I ask this is because when it is not at least seemingly as much. So what's cooking under the hood, which people are not recognizing, which is keeping you guys either up at night in or making you work 25 hours in a day? Well, I think for, for us, a part of the challenge, you know, part of the benefit and the challenge of our firm is we're, we're, we're pretty big. Uh, 950 some odd lawyers and 50 some odd offices spread across a large territory. And so providing uh, access to um, our systems um, in a reliable and fast way to that many different locations is a unique challenge. Um, not a lot of law firms have that that big a footprint. Um, it's also expensive to to do that across that many different offices. And so again, trying to find ways to provide secure access to that many lawyers and and such a big footprint um, can be uh, can be a challenge. Um, and as the firm gets that big, the systems that support it need to change and scale up as well. Now, Mr. McGuire. When we talk about, say, a larger footprint and or providing secure access and or providing the mobility, what is so incrementally complex about it so that once you're done with your major overhaul and or rollout, then you really have to be up at night? If you've done it well the first time, it should, should it be really that painful? Uh, no. Um once once you kind of have the uh, the process down hopefully it's a repeatable one and and one that you can do over and over again much more much more easily but you know the it's not just kind of the traditional mainline systems you know consumerization is hit law firms as well and and the number of different devices that people want to use to be able to connect and get their work done uh, continues to increase uh, and so just like a number of our clients have faced bring your own device issues and challenges we've had some of those as well and have had to respond to try and meet that demand from uh, lawyers as well. Now, besides BYOD, which is bring your own device, which is a trend which we see across multiple organizations, uh, Mr. Shannon, what do you think is a different 
when it comes to what the customer truly want as a service? Is it the same, okay, you're an attorney, solve my case and we're good, or they are going beyond that and looking for something else which is you know, prompting the whole organization to flip? Uh, with regard to bring your own device, it's, um, you know, it's, it's all about mobility. It's not just bring your own device. It's how, how do you support the applications and the information uh, and push that information to those devices. Um, certainly, you know, we, we've been using BlackBerry since February of 2000. Um, it was probably the first project that I've ever done with this firm. And I don't know if you remember a BlackBerry back then, but it had three lines of text, and it was email, calendar, and contact contacts only. Um, and still to this day, there's really not good, robust applications on a BlackBerry. So now it's a matter of what applications can you use. And I don't really want to say on, on an iPhone because I don't think an iPhone um, is a whole lot more robust than a BlackBerry. It is for apps. Um, certainly there's a million apps out there for an iPhone, but from a business standpoint, um, you're not going to really read documents or do blacklining on a black, on a, uh, an iPhone. <clears throat> but there's some... You know, because of the real estate that you can review documents and do blacklining on an iPad, um, it's really, really a game changer. Um, you know, we, we have pilot projects in the works with real lawyers using real applications <clears throat> where you can reach into our document management system, which has 50 million documents all of which has multiple versions of that you can um, o- open multiple documents and through some very, very new tools, you know, Blackline, do a comparison of two different documents to see what's different. Um, you know, you can, you can do time entry uh, on an iPhone and an iPad today. Um, and there are some, some restrictions there because just the technology is just so new for those applications. Um, but they're, they're, you know, by the end of this year, we're going to be opening this up to all of our lawyers in the firm. Uh, and this goes into a whole nother, um, topic of not just bring your own device, but mobility. Sure. Now, what you just mentioned, Mr. Shannon, Question here is that this is one of the tactics, perhaps, that you will utilize to bring about uh, an ease of doing the work as an attorney or as a paralegal, whosoever is supposed to use this device. But when you are in a closed doors with the management, is that what you get as a directive that put a device out there versus show me the way you will buy the customer? I don't get directives. I I, I don't get directives. You know, I listen to lawyers and understand what their problems are, what their needs are, and I come up with what I'm going to do about it. Okay. Um, so my boss is also interviews. My boss also interviews lawyers on a very regular basis, and he'll state a problem and he'll say, well, "What are we going to do about these problems?" And and they're not problems; they're difficulties, they're frustrations, they're you know whatever you want to call it. Um, their needs, and you know, we the, 
my directives are all based on what I hear people are struggling with um, and, and, and their needs. You know, they, they don't say, Michael, you need to create mobility in this firm. It's, you know, <laughs> the iPad came about and, you know, there's all these apps and it was like, woohoo, you know, let's look at all this great things we can do with this iPad. And, you know, it, it's, it's hurry up and play catch up and make sure that we can support all these new technologies that people want to use. Um, an iPad is not a need. It's a want, right? So it's a very light device. That I don't have to carry a laptop anymore, um, you know. So, so one of the things that I've done uh, this year was I installed Apple TV in every conference room in every Deckard office around the world. And you might say, and I have it in my office. I'm looking at Apple TV right now. And you might say, why? And the answer is, why bring a laptop into an office with all the cables? And the big power supply, and all the, it's unsightly, right? When I can just bring an iPad into a conference room and I can connect to Apple TV wirelessly, um, you know, and do a presentation. Um, one of the first presentations I did to our new chairman was through Apple TV, and I actually played a movie on my iPad through Apple TV, and it was impressive, you know? That wasn't a director, that was. We can do this. This is exciting, you know. It's just part of the excitement of living in the IT world. All right. So, so Mr. McGuire, this question is for you. So while uh, Mr. Shannon went about picking up a device, innovatively utilized it, suppose you are looking at the, the same approach of doing it, or maybe your counterpart who would be a CIO would be looking at this, how would you try to safeguard against us while securing the fort by putting a big door, but then also introducing a bunch of windows which are open? Well, for for us, the approach that we've taken is to go firm on devices only. So, uh, I, you know, I kind of uh, agree with uh, with Michael that you know, in a lot of ways, an iPad is not a need; it's a want. But it certainly helps solve some business problems that that lawyers have. But if lawyers were going to solve those business problems by having new kinds of portable devices, we're going to make sure that they're all firm owned. You know, the data these days is is really heavily regulated, whether it's HIPAA, Gramm-Leach-Bliley, uh, state breach notification laws. Um, you know, our clients are hit with a, a number of different, and us directly as well, hit with a number of different regulations that require us to take great care with the data that uh, our clients entrust with us and that we generate our, our, ourselves for our employees and and uh, and otherwise. And so we want to make sure that uh, we've got all those devices encrypted, that we know where they are, that we can reach out and wipe them uh, if necessary, if they're lost or stolen. And the way we've chosen to do that is ensure that uh, all of those devices are going to be firm owned. We still give people the flexibility to have the devices that they need to do the work, but we mitigate that risk by ensuring that we can uh, protect that new device. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at beyond enabling 
uh, in a legal organization leveraging IT, which we have discussed in this first segment where we spoke about devices and specific tactics that are utilized to fix some of the needs and perhaps meet some of the wants. But if you have to transform, perhaps we have to look beyond that. We have to do some disruptive innovation and perhaps wow and not having to wait for a customer to express what they want. Instead, understand the latent needs and in fact, something they may not even have imagined and deliver those to take the organization to the next level. Is that even relevant? Is that even possible for a legal industry? Let's explore that when we come back. Please stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Mr. Uh, Shannon, question is, suppose I gave you unlimited funds and I said, okay, wow us, and I was part of the legal organization, and don't just look at what we need and what pains that we are facing today. It's like kind of building your version of solutions and services and products, which is like iPhone and iPad in the era of desktop computing, which, which did not exist. The need did not exist. The need was created or perhaps was found. Yeah, um, that concept is non-existent in the firm I work for, um, but uh, certainly we're trying. Probably the most expensive project I've ever tried to undertake is one of the things we're trying to get our hands around, which plenty of firms have done. Uh, and Michael, you may have already done this um, at your firm, but it's enterprise search. And the whole concept of creating a very, very meaningful portal for enterprise search. Um, you know, again, we talked about we have 50 million documents. You know, I mean, think about that concept of 50 million documents. We have a, multiple instances of our document management or content management system. And, um, you know, I think the tools that come out of the box are robust that you should be able to find things. But when you really get down to it, the problem becomes who are the experts on a deal type, not the author of a deal type. The author of a deal type could be a third-year associate. associate. The expert could be called a seven-year associate or, you know, a more junior partner. 
uh, or even a senior partner, um, how do you find a document, you know, your knowledge of a deal type um, based on the documents in your system? It's very, very difficult. So what we're trying to embark on is the concept of um, understanding, you know, the billable hours of certain thresholds of billable hours um, of of certain, you know, level of associates or, or level of partners that are involved in that deal. Those are truly the experts. And if you're going to do a deal similar to that or, or components of a deal similar to that, you know, who do you talk to to gain that expertise or who do you bring into your deal um, to, to, to have that expertise? That's one of the I, – I believe it's one of the more – difficult and sophisticated technologies to implement uh, in today's technology. Very different than mobility. Very, very different. Very different. No, so so what what you're basically saying is that they have some issues and they would be different, but then you are not expecting or you will not have the resources and or the time or the, the blessing to say, build me something which is unprecedented or solve my problem in the way I've never seen before. Is this like a consensus-based innovation that you have to strive for there? Unprecedented is the key word, is trying, you know, doing work that is unprecedented. Okay, and, and is that is that acceptable? Oh, it's huge. It's, 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 what, it's what separates great firms from commodity firms, right? Now, with that said, Mr. McGuire, how do you think that impacts your domain of keeping the fort secure? You know, I think there are, um, well, I guess a couple thoughts. One, you know, having the ability to do, you know, I'll call it federated search uh, to kind of, and it's probably not an accurate label, but to kind of sum up the idea that, that uh, Mike was talking about. Um, and I, I agree with him that is, an incredible um, opportunity to for a firm to be able to tap into the right people at the right time and get answers to clients more quickly and more efficiently. Because if you find the person that's done it before, they're going to get it done that much faster and that much more cost-effectively for the client. And fortunately, we rolled out um, a federated search uh, program like that a couple of years ago. We call it Smart Search. Taps into all of our millions of documents in the document management system, time entries, uh, uh, profiles on uh, websites, publications. So, from a bunch of different angles, you get an opportunity to tap into what, <clears throat> excuse me, what people are doing. And one of the nice things about it is when you have gotten your search results, you don't need to just look through the search results, but you can also filter by who are the people who have the most um, uh, have the most content responsive to that search. So you can kind of quickly go through and and, and see the people. Which offices, which um, which partners, which shareholders, which which associates. So it gives you a way to kind of slice and dice and dig through that information and look at it at the fifty thousand foot level, as opposed to down in the weeds, going document by document by document. And it it really does uh, make a big difference for for our lawyers and how we deliver service to our clients. Having something like that, though, now to now to answer your question, does create some uh, some challenges from an information security perspective. Uh, because you've got a lot more content open to uh, people across the firm. And one of the things that 
we've started to see from from clients that are talking to us about their security concerns is they want us to have the benefits of all of that sharing, but they also want to try to limit access to their data to just people who are working on their matters, kind of a need-to-know type of access restriction. And it's really challenging to provide that kind of federated search that Mike was talking about when clients want us to balkanize their information. And so trying to find ways to have both uh, the security and lockdown for their information, but at the same time still provide that knowledge management capability is a big challenge. Now, we, we, we heard both of you, Mr. Shannon McGuire, talk about the things which are related to search and multiple or rather millions of documents being handled. Is that where the pain ends or are there other things which you could do which could be disruptive in nature and, and really we could label it as transformation? <coughs> Mr. Shannon, how, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? I don't really. I, I I don't want to go in that direction with this. I mean, you started out with if cost is not an issue. Mm-hmm. I've avoided this topic for years. Um, <laughs> okay. Mike, do you have do you have a do you have a, an insight into how much your firm has spent, or just you know between up to a million, between one and two, between two and five million dollars on this topic? I don't want to put uh, you on I was going to jokingly and say, some, say we spent somewhere no, between not enough and way too much. Exactly, exactly, not enough, but a bunch. Um, yeah, um, you know, and so, I don't know what the number is. So I, I've avoided this because I'm going to call this, you know, up to a two million dollar project for our firm. We're about the same size as from the number of attorneys as as uh, as Mike's firm, but we have half you know, almost half the number of offices. Um, but it's still the same number of lawyers that are looking for this information. So, you know, it gets diff- this is a difficult project. I, it's, it's, it's highly complex. I've avoided it because um, I never thought we were in a position with our the way our infrastructure is set up between multi-department infrastructure to get the right buy-in to pull this off with the money resources that I have available, um, I think the time is right now that we have the right people in place that we can pull this off, um, and I think we're going to go ahead and do it. We haven't done it yet, so. Now, so, yeah, I mean, I mean okay, so let's let's move on since it's a tough thing to talk about, perhaps. Now, let's look at the, the areas which are like you are trying to look handle multi-generation workforce. They have different needs and wants of how they want to handle their day-to-day work that they have been assigned. And then you got remote workers, and then you got global workers who come from different cultural backgrounds, different uh, work styles, and perhaps different language that they have to communicate. Uh, you know, they may not have a common language to communicate uh, across the board. So, is there something which and this is these are the trends which are here to stay this is not something that we can ignore and and push away from so uh mr mcguire do you think you could uh talk to this subject and say while this is the type of innovation that organizations are trying to bring about to handle these problems and also at the same time your job to make it secure is either becoming complex or it is still manageable 
Uh, it, it's becoming more complex. You know, we've added uh, three or four offices in South America over the last couple of years, and we're looking at other other countries. Um, and so the the language difference is is key. We had to change out um, how IT provides kind of help desk or service desk support so that we could go to something that was more twenty four seven. I mean, we've got offices from coast to coast, so you got challenges there. But also, when you start adding, you know, vastly different time zones, um, that raises uh, the the support challenge. And also having multi language capability, so that when folks in our Mexico office have an issue with an application or need support, they've got somebody who can uh, speak to them in Spanish and uh, help them through their problems. So, I mean, that's a huge challenge, but it is a difference, and and it caused us to make some changes to how we deliver some of those services. Also, uh, you know, applications, um, making sure you've got, you know, multiple application or multiple language support in the different applications, which, you know, if you're talking about the desktop, you know, some of that stuff's pretty easy, but we've also got some tools that we've built in-house to help lawyers understand uh, their book of business, uh, how they're managing it, and trying to find ways to go to multiple languages for some of those tools poses some additional uh, incremental uh, uh, challenges. The, the other thing is, to, and not to kind of go back to the topic that, that Mike talked about before in terms of the federated search and the knowledge management, the interesting thing is, you know, how much need is there for lawyers in Mexico to tap into work for people, uh, to, to work that people are doing in the U.S.? Different laws? A lot of times different clients, uh, different languages. And so one of the things we're looking at is how, how do we, how do we keep those benefits of strong knowledge management that we've developed within the U.S. and make that relevant and make it work as we push across different borders? Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Mr. Shannon, question for you will be, is that uh, the, the pressure that we are seeing, seeing customer side to make the costs go low. So it is not anymore about just doing things better or more efficiently and, and deliver at a warp speed, but actually to reduce costs. And that doesn't only mean that we are talking about the legal side. There's a cost implication on all areas, how a law firm, a law firm runs. So what is it that organizations are attempting to do to cut costs and or trim costs? And how can IT and or your uh, you're working with business unit leaders could together bring about that overall savings that could perhaps be passed along to the customers and retain them and perhaps attract new ones. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Joe All. 
To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. All right, so Mr. Shannon, uh, here we are talking about cost and cost containment. And there could be leakages that could be happening across the board and not just in the area of amount of time that is spent in uh, handling documents, etc. So what is that inventory that has been created where perhaps when you had to do cost containment or cost cutting are the, the prime candidates and what is being done you by you working with your counterparts to make that happen? Well, by far, telecommunications cost is the most expensive. Um, you know, we recently opened an office in Dubai. Um, Dubai has been the most expensive telecommunications country, or uh, Dubai is the city, but um, that I've ever dreamed could happen. Uh, it... it you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of a single T1 between London and Dubai or even uh, the U.S. and Dubai is $22,000. Most of that is the local loop. So um, you're, you're not going to cut that cost. There's no way to cut that cost. You're either going to suck it up or you're going to do something else. And what we chose to do, like most other firms who, who are in countries like Kazakhstan and, you know, Moscow. Well, Moscow is not too expensive, but um, uh, Dubai um, or, or uh, is um, use a VPN solution in order to get telecommunications there. The problem with that is, you know, we've been, um, we've been using voice over IP internationally uh, since 2005, and you can't, you can't effectively use voice over IP over the internet through a VPN solution. So there's trade-offs that you have to get into. If, if you're going to cut costs, there's always a trade-off. It's, it's what do we want to provide based on what can we afford to provide um, to our people. Now, uh, with that said, uh, Mr. McGuire, do you think... Uh, that the cost pressures that we might be under, and yes, we want to deliver the savings, does that pose any risk? Because if we try to cut corners, while we would not have that intention, but unintentionally it could create a risk by us cutting corners and deliver not only maybe a lower quality of service, but also it could jeopardize the very integrity and security of the data that is floating around? Well, you know, the, in, in any business, and a law firm's no different, you know, every year we go through a budgeting process. We figure out where we want to go uh, during the next year, next three years, next five years, and figure out what projects we need to do to get us there. And then we kind of rank, order, and prioritize them. And we don't just do that on an IT basis, but we do it for all of the different corporate groups, our knowledge management, me there for information security, uh, IT is there, uh, finance is there, and as a group, we decide what uh, what the firm um, needs and wants from us and, and make proposals and pitches. And every time we do that, we make trade-offs. If we're going to do this this year, we're not going to be able to do that until next year. So it's not so much cost containment or you got to reduce your budget or you got to cut this. It's more about collectively as a firm deciding what are our priorities going to be and then allocating the resources that we've got to put towards it. So 
um, it, it really isn't um, uh, a kind of approach from a cost cut or cost containment kind of perspective. Uh, it's more of a, you know, what are the priorities of the firm and what's the best way to get there? Now, when we spoke about the costs, yes, you might have internal costs and you have to live with them. Mr. Shannon, that, as you mentioned, uh, that you had a T1 cost, which was costing in 22000 All that is internal, but the cost that the customer sees, they are just interested in getting those costs down so that they continue to use your services and or, of course, you know, continue to handle the things that they have to handle with your help. So the end goal is to make sure that the customer gets a cost reduction or cost containment. What is it being done and how does that get translated to to the initiatives that you might be putting underway in order to make that happen? I don't I don't think I don't think our clients really see any of what we're talking about here. I think there's a billable hour. Um there's certainly some alternate fee arrangements um, that the, the that our clients are interested in, you know, the bottom line is we're a cost center and we need to maintain or you know keep our costs as low as we can just to stay competitive, so that our billable hours to our clients aren't inflated because of our expense budget, right? Um, so it's really just trying to keep our expense budget flat as we open up new services around the world. The good news is, um, I mean, just keeping in step with telecommunications expense, you know, over the years, just telecommunications expenses have gone down. Um, You know, I remember, you know, back in the early part of the the century, it's, you know, telecommunications expenses were ridiculously expensive, and we've changed providers a few times and, you know, gotten our – call it a cost per T1, you know, or PRI or whatever you want to call it, um, has gone down, but we've significantly increased our bandwidth um, between offices. So we've somewhat, except for more recently, been able to keep costs relatively flat. And is that saving you are able to pass along to your customer because then they are able to uh, enjoy the savings? I don't want to say that. <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> okay. All right. No, that's fine. So now, uh, Mr. McGuire, here we're that, talking that, about... That's a, C- that's a CFO discussion. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so, Mr. McGuire, when it comes to e-discovery, you must have heard that's one of the hottest trends, and, and people are uh, looking at exorbitant costs and the complexity of making all this happen. It also has uh, security and integrity and admissibility of whatever evidences that are created. That basically comes right in you know up your alley where you have to somehow show a trail that yes whatever was collected has not been tampered with and then on top of it there are some other security concerns how is that being handled by law firms and what are things that we are doing to make sure that not only you're providing a predictable uh, less of a cost prohibitive service and also something which is secure and has the integrity so that it can actually be used in the court of law well, uh, good question to throw to me. I started at Littler as one of the firm's uh, dedicated e-discovery counsel. So um, we've taken a, a very different approach than a lot of other firms, um, and some other firms are now starting to <clears throat> kind of follow um, the model that we've done. Some are choosing some other models. But what what we did in 2000 and um, – let me get the year right uh, – 2007 – 
the firm hired a, a shareholder to focus exclusively on our e-discovery operations, and that included um, bringing uh, the processing of data in-house um, so that the clients could use us to do the processing of their data instead of going to a vendor, uh, and also bringing in-house uh, one of the top review tools uh, that is out there in the market. When we when we went with them, they were relatively new. Now they're you know somewhere in the upper right hand quadrant of the Gardner Magic Circle uh, uh, for for eDiscovery, and uh, that has really changed things. Uh, it makes it that much easier for us when we've got a client who has to deal with eDiscovery issues and litigation. They don't have to go find a vendor. They don't have to negotiate a contract. We've got it in house. We price it uh, at a very, very uh, attractive price for them, um, very simple pricing model, um, and it's very easy for them to kind of get a handle on what's going to happen from an e-discovery perspective. That also means we understand the entire process um, and can make sure that we're securing that process from, from start to finish. So for us, this has worked very, very well. Um, other firms are partnering with specific vendors so that they're kind of getting some of the benefits of what we've got, but they're not doing the investment internally. Instead, they're you know focusing on a key uh, outsourced uh, provider for it. So there you know are many different ways that you can you can solve the problem. We obviously like the way we've chosen by bringing it in house, but you know it does have some some challenges. It's a whole new discipline, uh, and it's one that you've really got to stay on top of and make sure you're doing it the right way. No. When, when we are looking at the e-discovery aspect of it, Mr. Shannon, uh, what do you think could be happening which is making it so cumbersome and so costly? Are there no great ways like you were able to bring about savings and innovation in other areas? How about showing some magic here? Yeah, e-discovery is extremely complicated. So basically you're talking about going back to enterprise search, which is basically e-discovery for internal applications, you're doing the same thing for your clients. Um, and e-discovery also, you know, sort of merges into what Mike talked about, um, processing data. We do all that. We host, we, we host through a product called Case Logistics um, all of the firm's documents for our clients to be reviewed by lawyers, lawyers and paralegals. Um, that's e-discovery. On top of that, e-discovery is also discovering what relevant documents at a client site need to be incorporated into a document review process. And then also on top of that is how do you call all that down into a manageable set to make it less expensive for your client. Um, so... There's, I look at e-discovery as three different phases. One is collection at your client. Some, some clients are good at this. Um, you know, we, we were doing product liability cases for years. Um, that has shifted, but, um, you know, those pharmaceutical companies were actually really good at collection of data. Um, but there's collection, so we would typically outsource that to some of the vendors. There's culling that data down into a manageable set. So if your clients 
really good at it, you don't really need to call it down. We've done comparisons with some of the um, some of the e-discovery tools out there, and we couldn't call that data down any further than our clients internally were able to collect it. Whether it's internal or they use vendors to collect it, we couldn't call it down any more than they can collect it. Um, that's not true with every client. Um, certainly there's that second phase of calling that data down. So you need to understand your client if they're good at the collection of data or if their vendor is good at the collection of data. Do you need another tool to call it down? And um, you, there, there's so many vendors out there that do that that middle phase. And then there's hosting of those documents that lawyers can do document reviews on and certainly deduplication, all that kind of stuff, um, with, and processing so that you can get it into a database format that you can, you, you know, you can have um, uh, metadata associated with each of those documents. Um, so we do that last phase. Um, we don't do the other two phases. We rely on vendors to do the middle phase, which is the culling of the data if we need it. We rely mainly on our clients, but we'll advise our clients on the on the, the collection of that data. Um, and we host that for free to our clients. It's certainly an inter- internal absorbed cost. It's not inexpensive, but it has become, you know, um, just an internal IT cost if you're going to be involved in litigation. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, and when we come back, Mr. McGuire, question for you will be work-life balance, which is unheard of in the legal industry and also in IT. So how do you pull that magic off when you have so much of sensitive data and you've got so much complex working that happens and people want to leave at 5 and work for the rest of the evening from home or whatever that, that flexibility that they require or desire? How do you keep the fort secured, an extended fort which spans from your office to even people's homes globally? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Take control of eDiscovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are listening to cio talk radio with sun jog all to learn more about the show please visit www.ciotalkradio.com If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. 
All right. So, uh, Mr. McGuire, comes to work-life balance, you have to build an extended enterprise. People could be accessing anything, anytime on any device. And yes, we spoke about BYOD it has a challenge, but perhaps there are other things that might have to be done in order for you to offer that perk, which will keep the people so it becomes mission critical and retain them and also attract new people. And you also have to meet your compliance mandates. Do you think this is a workable or even a practical uh, possibility here? Short answer, yes, because we're already doing it. Um, you know, for, for us, there, there are a couple different things that have come together. And I was, I was going to mention this when you were talking about um, disruptive innovations, uh, but uh, I, I, can, I can talk about it here. One of the things that that we've been doing is, and I'll go ahead and use the buzzwords since the audience is probably folks who use them, but it is a pretty intense process reengineering effort and looking at how we approach certain types of cases. We started with how we handle um, responding to charges for clients before federal or state equal employment opportunity commissions. It's a very high volume activity that a number of our clients have to engage in. Uh, and we were trying to find a way to provide representation of clients in those issues in a very, very different way, not just cost-effective way, but very different way. And so one of the things we've done is, is build out a, a, a uh, tool that we call Littler Case Smart. Uh, it involves uh, basically taking you know a business analyst sitting down with a subject matter expert, sucking their brain uh, for a couple of weeks to understand all of the steps in responding to those charges, and building it into a process flow tool, and then um, uh, hiring lawyers who are going to focus on using that tool to respond to those charges for clients. And so we've created an entirely new category of lawyer for Littler. We call them flex time attorneys or FTAs. They are, in many cases, Littler lawyers uh, kind of on the traditional associate or shareholder track who've decided that they don't want the pressures of building a practice or billing hours or they need more flexibility in their life. And they can step into this flex time attorney role. Their compensation is not based on billable hours. It's based on accomplishing certain tasks um, in the case. Uh, they can take on as much or as, well, within bounds, as much or as little work as they want. They can work from home. Um, they are employees of the firm. They're using a firm laptop. Uh, piping back in through a secure VPN or using Citrix uh, and are doing the work with that new tool that we built, the KSmart tool, to work with other lawyers in the firm who are overseeing their work to make sure that we've got consistent quality uh, across the board. So we've taken kind of that uh, you know, disruptive uh, innovation uh, approach that you took, that you talked about earlier, and found a way to, to kind of change the way we're delivering legal services and also kind of tackle that work-life balance and giving people some more flexibility in uh, how they uh, work as a lawyer. They still have challenging legal work, but they can do it at times that work for them. Great. So, Mr. Shannon, question for you. Do you know, I mean, of course, based on the responses that we got, that you, you both have been provided enough support by the management to do whatever you have to do in order to meet the needs of the organization. Now comes the point that you, you could take it from being an enabler to become a driver and or somebody who will be followed by the rest of the business and has even a seat at the table. What do you think is the current state of IT's 
influence and the very uh, very value that is put on it. Yeah, I, I want to take a step back and say the management. I, so I am the man, part of the management of the firm. So, you know, again, back to, you know, I, I'm not being driven by management. I, I am management and understanding the needs of the firm. Um, <clears throat> I think Mike's um, approach is quite interesting. Uh, we're not doing that at all. Um, and I think I kind of lost sight of your question, but, um, you know, from from a, a, a work-life balance, um, you know, the driver is, you know, why can't a lawyer access documents from an iPad? There's no reason they can't, right? So I've actually pushed um, our document management system company quite hard to allow us to use these products on Apple products because um, and I'm actually looking in my office. I'm using a 27-inch iMac, and I'm using a 27-inch iMac because I want to know why our lawyers can't use an iMac. There's no reason they can't, um, except that developers in the world have this view that Apple products are for you know content-driven, uh, not process or application-driven um, uh, reasons, right? They think that an iPad is only to review content on, to read things, to maybe play games on. Um, and I think I've successfully finally convinced them, me and other CIOs, that it's just another platform. It's just another platform for people to do their jobs. So it's an on-ramp, right? Um, it's an on-ramp to get onto applications. You know, I can put a Cisco VPN on an iPad. I can get into my document management system today, and I can look for a document out of that 50 million document, you know, um, population out there. And, you know, next, um, when we are venturing into enterprise search, which you know, I don't want to lose sight of this because I think this is probably <clears throat> one of the biggest things CIOs are struggling with um, or have all, already struggled with and pulled it off. I think many have not pulled it off well. I think um, a lot of people who have implemented it are re-implementing it. <clears throat> I purposely didn't go down that path um, because I've done some some things in my career that were so new um, and potentially damaging to to a career, you know a career that um, this was one that was just so big. You know, we were one of the first firms to implement what's called matter centricity in the world. We did it in 2005, and it didn't work too well. We had to create multiple instances in Asia, in Europe, and in the U.S. of matter centricity. Um, no one else tried matter centricity. Um, we learned that with the latency with systems that you just need to, you know, put your matters centricity in separate continents. Um, and we learned it pretty quick. Um, you know, I didn't want to go down the enterprise search path um, until I knew how to pull it off until I saw successful implementations of it. And I have a couple of very good examples of very successful implementations. I have a, more examples of very 
unsuccessful implementations. So, um, you know, it's in a roundabout way, I think I sort of hit your question. All right, great. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, Mr. Mike McGuire and Mike Shannon, for sharing your thoughts. Uh, of course, legal industry has gone through a number of changes. The expectations of the customers as well as the people working within those firms are changing. And there is definitely a role, in fact, a strong role that IT plays in making their needs and desires and wants taken care of. So kudos to both of you for doing a great job in your respective organizations. And as far as uh, legal uh, industry IT leaders who are listening to our show, we also invite you to listen to a series on e-discovery by going to www.ciotalkradio.com slash e-discovery and enjoy that extra education. Thank you so much again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy.